This is Messenger Insight, a podcast program brought to you by Oklahoma Baptists and the Baptist Messenger. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this special Messenger Insight podcast. I'm Brian Hobbs, your host. Pleased to be joined with a great friend of Oklahoma Baptists and mine. Uh, many of you know Todd and Angela Sanders, and Angela's a writer ministry expert, and she has a great new book called Growing an Effective Girls Ministry from the Ground Up. Congratulations on the new book. Thank you so much. It's just outstanding. Um, What is the official book launch time period of year, Angela? Um, The official release is January 15th. Okay, great. Um, So coming up. Yes, coming up. January 1st, people will be able to pre-order. That's great. Well, congrats, and I know the launch will go great. So to talk about the book a little more, you know, you, you have a lot of expertise and life experience in this area of girls mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk about why you chose to write this and kind of all of that? Yes. So, yes. So. Well, um, let's see. Back in 2002, my husband was a youth minister at the Village Baptist Church here in Oklahoma City. And Todd and I have always been a team in ministry in every way because I also feel called to ministry. Um, and so I was spending some time with the girls there and they opened up to me about the fact that they really wanted to spend time with each other mm-hmm. and explore what it meant to be sisters in Christ, maybe without the guys around because there were some things they wanted to talk about. There were some friendships they wanted to form. And anytime that you add the guys in the mix, it kind of mm-hmm. changes the, the dynamic a little bit. So they asked if we could do something specifically for them. We got together, we brainstormed, brainstormed we built it. Um, trying to keep it short here. But and when we first started our girls' ministry at the Village Baptist Church, uh, we called it Kai's Circle. Yeah. Um, we had 13 girls coming every week. Um, within a couple of months, we had 60 a week. Um, within two years, we were averaging over 120. Now, wow. our youth ministry ran about 135 in Sunday school, so that was really significant. A large percentage of the girls who came were unchurched, um, and we used it as um, an evangelistic tool. That was the primary purpose, evangelism, um, introducing girls to Christ, teaching them how to lead each other to Christ. We had what we called faith families. Uh, a phenomenon happened when the girls heard the gospel so often, they memorized it, sort of accidentally, which, mm-hmm. you know, happy accident, but they um, <laughs> they started feeling more confident in sharing it with their friends. Um, so girls were getting saved and then leading their friends to Christ, and then we were following up with baptism and that sort of thing. We had faith families, one faith family, which is those were made up of girls who led each other to Christ, went five girls deep, which mm-hmm. I thought was amazing. So girls weren't waiting very long after being yeah. saved to lead other people to the Lord and teach them how to lead other people to the Lord. And it just it just kind of snowballed. We had 29 girls that I know of that accepted Christ wow. in the, those two years. And not just accepted Christ and were sent on their way, but were assimilated into our youth ministry. We wanted the discipleship to be an ongoing process, not just kind of catch and release, which yes. can sometimes be the case. But we wanted them to understand what it meant to be a part of the family of God. And uh, we're able to uh, inquire incorporate multi-generational ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go into the structure. That would take a lot of time. But a girl, if she were to, if we had stayed a full six years after the beginning of that ministry and a girl had begun our ministry as a sixth grader, mm-hmm. by the time she would have graduated, she would have had not just her Sunday school teachers and her Wednesday night people and her regular youth ministry event volunteers. She would have had six different Monday night mommies, is what we call them, small uh, group yeah. leaders uh, that they were very close to, and would have built a relationship with 12 
women in the church outside of that. So if you add all of that up, these girls, some of them who had no community at home of faith, people to go ask questions to or look to to even know what it looked like to follow Jesus at the next stage of their lives or even stages that would be decades away, they didn't have that, but they had that in the church. And a lot of the women who got excited about it um, felt ministered to because they got to see the excitement of the girls and pour into them in a way they hadn't before. When you experience something like that, you want everyone to experience something like yeah. that. And I'm very encouraged by the number of girls ministry events that there are right now and resources that are out there, but there wasn't anything that walked people through the process of building a girls ministry that was customized to their context that would meet specific needs in an ongoing strategic and systematic way which is what we tried to do i mean obviously you learn we learned by doing but um i just felt like i could help people along in this process because i wanted them to experience what we got to experience or whatever it was that God had in mind for them. Yeah, um, that's, that's great. So. And something I appreciated and noticed about the book, it's it's very practical. Mm-hmm. It, it provides a blueprint, but it's mm-hmm. customizable. It yes. doesn't matter the size of church or right. context. It, there's right. a lot of, uh, you could just, has handles to it mm-hmm. that you can pick up and do or customize mm-hmm. to your context. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional, the way you wrote that that absolutely. way? Absolutely, because we are, I mean, cookie cutter ministry, I mean, can you take something from another context, put it in yours, and do some good? Yes. That happens all the time. Is it the best option? No. First of all, because you don't know, you can't always trust that someone else who has put together a program or an event has done their due diligence in assessing the needs of the people that they're trying to reach and that they've gone about meeting those needs in the most effective way. Um, you, you just can't blindly trust that other people have done the work. You need to do the work that yourself. Yes, look and pull from what other people are doing if it meets the needs of the people in your context and if it's something that you can do and do well, but not all the time. And so I feel like it's important for churches that have very limited budgets, maybe very limited resources in terms of volunteers. Um, in some churches, you're going to have one or two people trying to do the whole girls ministry. And we're, we're you know, I advocate um, formalizing a girls ministry. I've, there's a difference between just doing girls ministry and having a formalized girls ministry. But if you have one person or two people trying to take on the whole thing, for them to look at, at what a church that has 15 to 20 volunteers um, is doing and think they have to do all that, well, that would be defeating before they ever began. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to start with what God's given them and do the best with that and just try to trust him to provide as he brings growth and the Holy Spirit leads um, without feeling the pressure to do what somebody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, you know, we're talking about girls ministry and for mm-hmm. people that um, that that term may be new to them. Mm-hmm. Are, could you give us a grade or age range it's best suited to be, you know, unique mm-hmm. needs? And then what of today's generation, you know, the Gen Z, what are you, what are you seeing and hearing unique pressures? Obviously God made us in his image. He made male and female. Mm -hmm. The culture is challenging Mm -hmm. girls, especially in a lot of Mm -hmm. points, but what are you seeing? And kind of give us the general parameters of of what, what, what you had in mind. Um, Well, I, I see this being a resource that could be used um, for girls sixth to 12th grade. That's, that's just what I have in my, in my scope. Um, 
And and I think that you can you can minister to all those ages at the same time. I think sometimes mm-hmm. there are topics that are best um, addressed by separating them, maybe in discussion time and things like that. But those are things that can be decided by the individual individual churches um, as they follow what's prescribed here. I, it will walk them through those steps. If they're worried about missing something, they won't. If they if they follow this step by step, um, as far as what the the Gen Z and and Gen Alpha are facing right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's more difficult than ever um, yeah. for kids to be teenagers. Um, I wish that I could put them all in a time capsule and send them back where I came from, where you were not constantly bombarded by information that you didn't have time to process. Um, and sometimes in secret, where no one even knew you were struggling with what you're trying to process. Um, you know, in our day and age, if we wanted a private phone call, we had to like pull the cord of the phone yeah. into and like lay down on the floor so that the receiver was just inside our door. There's not a lot of privacy there, which we wanted more privacy, but there's also accountability that comes with not being able to withdraw and take a lot in in private. And yeah. these students are doing that. Um, I feel like as far as, you know, you're, you mentioned, um, uh, I, I assume by your question you're wanting me to talk about the gender identity. Yeah, the gender, those, sexuality, uh, some of those, of that, that bombardment. Yeah, yeah I think, I, and, and there are a lot of messages. And I yeah. think that students are not equipped necessarily at that age to know what's a credible source. I think it's our responsibility to um, always point students to the truth and what the scripture says. You know, there's a difference between truth and validity. I don't know if you know that, but you can arrive at a logical conclusion based on the information that you have. But if the information you have is false, you're going to arrive at the wrong conclusion. You know, like, for instance, if I said, um, you know, all all men named Brian are made of wood. Okay. I said, your name is Brian. Therefore you are made of wood. That's a logical conclusion, but it's based on a false assumption because men are not made of wood, Mm -hmm. you know? So if we can point students back to scripture so that they become autonomous learners and followers, followers of Christ that will, uh, um, accept mentorship and influence from other people who have been following Christ for a long time, I think we equip them best to deal with those issues. I think a mistake, one mistake that we could potentially make would be to pick one of those hot topics. You know, there are a lot of hot hot button topics. Focus so much on that Mm -hmm. and then leave the foundational uh, message of the gospel, who God is, who they are in Christ, um, his plan for their lives. All those things that are so much more desirable than any mystery or excitement that these hot button topics can stir up. And if we can teach them to be and model being in love with the Lord and learning how to talk to him and know what the Holy Spirit's voice sounds like. Uh, in comparison to all these other voices that want their attention, uh, what it's like to get to know him when you obey him. And just the, I think that, that that cycle of getting to know the Lord and and learning how to love him and accept his love for you, that is so addictive in itself that everything else that the world offers pales by comparison. Yes, you need to mention the truth about topics that they're hearing uh, the wrong thing about. But I think we can't do that um, at the cost of the foundational truths that are car- going to carry them through Great the rest point. of their lives. Yeah, so. that's so good. So th- you talk some about the idea of belonging or, you know, making this approachable. And mm-hmm. if you think about 
what's going on even with screens and social media, people mm-hmm. seeking somewhere to belong, somewhere mm-hmm. to how, – how crucial is this just the fellowship they'll get and the sense of belonging in yes. this body of believers? And, and why is that so strategic and important? Uh, it's just – I mean, I needed that. Yeah. I don't think you can talk to a single woman who hasn't in some at some point in her life and probably throughout her life – craved the fellowship mm-hmm. uh, with other women that came without competition, without backbiting. And I'm not saying this is unique to women at all. So please, sure. no one misunderstand no, yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've been around a lot of men and a lot of women who have had the same things, but we're talking about girls ministry today. So I just want to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, girls in their formative years, as do boys, want community. They want to know that they belong somewhere. They want to know that they're loved. Um, And they don't want to just hear about the love of Christ. They want the people who follow Christ to love them so that they can accept the gospel that they're hearing. Um, And so from the very beginning, when those girls first approached me, what they wanted was to belong. What they wanted was true sisterhood without the things that I mentioned, the competition, the backbiting, um, one-upmanship, trying to um, attain to a certain ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not I, – oh, I could really chase a rabbit there. I'm, I'm going to resist. <laughs> okay. um, but I think it's really important yeah. for, for that to be the focus of the girls' ministry, not just between the girls but with the women and the girls mm-hmm. that they minister to, to the way that the women interact with each other. Um, if, if you read the book, you'll, you'll see that um, you can have a formalized girls ministry that's ongoing, strategic, and systematic, and still miss the mark if it's not also gospel-driven, Bible-based, and inclusive. And by inclusive, I mean every girl belongs. It doesn't matter what she looks like, where she's come from, what she's done to that point, how she talks, how she acts, um, whose family she belongs to. It doesn't matter. She, from the moment that she comes in contact with your girls' ministry, needs to feel like she has found her safe space. Now, that's a culture that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of reinforcement. It takes a lot of the hard stuff, like the difficult conversations, apologies, forgiveness, um, conflict resolution. But we have to do the work because we only have these girls, if we're talking about girls' ministry and not women's ministry, for six years. Mm -hmm. Okay, And in that time, we want to pack their bags for the next Hopefully, you know. Decades. Yeah, yeah. decades, 70 years, whatever. Yeah. If they live to be as old as my mama, then, that, you yeah. know, we've got, a, we've got a lot to put in there. And so it's important that no problems in relationships would get in the way of that truth that we need to deliver. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I like, too, when you talked about, you know, the, the word inclusive or inclusivity kind of gets thrown around. Mm-hmm. But I love how you explain it in in this ministry context and mm-hmm. why it's so important to be welcoming. Mm-hmm. Angela, I know this is a girls' ministry book, but what you had to say about volunteer recruitment, retention, utilizing, I mm-hmm. thought that was so important because mm-hmm. that applies to a lot of areas yes. in church. Could you talk about the volunteers and all the dynamics with that, what you yes. want people to know? Absolutely. Well, and, and since you mentioned that, the guts of this book, you know, the four-phase process actually can be applied to any local church ministry it, yeah. and followed to, to develop one. We're focusing specifically on girls' ministry. But yes, I think that your volunteers are the most important um, resource that you have. And so um, it's very important, I think, to let everyone who wants to be involved in your ministry be involved on some level. That's not to say everyone needs to be involved on the same level. Mm -hmm. There are some things everybody can do, like spread the word, 
pray, um, potentially give. Maybe they have connections or something like that. And you always want to, you never want to shut someone down if they um, have a way that they can serve that's appropriate. Um, right. You know, um, and a lot of what I mean by appropriate means like um, you want people serving according to their spiritual giftedness. Mm-hmm. You want them um, serving according to their experience, their maturity level. Sometimes we would have girls come and volunteer where they're not going to lead a small group, but they can handle check-in maybe. Yeah. Uh, but so assigning people the right fit. Um, and when you when you recruit these people, when you accept their help, making sure they have the right fit, but also being very clear in what you can wanna, want to what you want them to do, what you expect from them. Give them a clear uh, volunteer list, a job description anytime they're asked to fill a role, and a separate one for every role they're asked to fill. I think so often in youth ministry, we're like, oh, we've got a volunteer. We're just going to squeeze them out until they give up, and we're going to find another one. And that's not a healthy mm-hmm. pattern. Right. Um, and so you want them to know what you do and don't expect from them, uh, what the boundaries are for the role that they're going to be, play- be playing. You want to ask for a commitment. I recommend strongly um, contracts with your volunteers. Okay. And that can sound demanding, but it's really not. It's actually very freeing to have a contract with okay. your volunteers because when when you're asking someone to serve and you're just saying, come be a youth minister or not a mm-hmm. youth volunteer, right. they may say, okay, for the next 12 years of my life, I'll never be with my age group. Or no, <laughs> if you're saying, I want you to serve for two semesters, it shows them where the exit sign is. And mm-hmm. when volunteers know where the exit sign is, they're more willing to sign up for that amount of time. They also are more likely to stick it out to the end because they know where the end is. And it also provides um, really natural breaks for mm-hmm. reevaluation. Um, I recommend uh, that you also uh, always do volunteer um, reviews. Let them review their own you know, involvement what and yours as a leader. Um, have that conversation. How can we do better? Do you feel like you're in a right fit? What can I do to help you more? Is there something else you feel like you might be more gifted for? And try to work with that person and give them an out. And also at the end of that term, then you have an opportunity to say, this was fantastic. Really appreciate your volunteerism. I I would like to try another spot for you. Mm -hmm. That's not to say they did a bad job. I wanted my volunteers to know that they were exactly where they were supposed to be. I was not going to stick somebody in the kitchen who did not enjoy that, you know, and didn't have the gift gift of hospitality. But I especially wasn't going to send someone to be a small group leader who did not have the life experience to know how to handle some of the questions they might be given or the biblical knowledge to handle some of the more difficult questions. I didn't want anyone in there uh, taking best guesses or referring to self-help books. We were talking about the Bible and what the Bible had to say. So even if a group had to be huge to make sure that it had a leader that was capable of handling that job, Qualified then we would have a huge yeah. group. I'm, I I didn't think we necessarily had to split into three groups of seven if the other group uh, leaders were not going to be as skilled at handling the conversation because yeah. that was crucial. Yeah. Um, and and so anyway, is, is that, that yes. answer your question? Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you could tell the listeners how to get hold of the book, you know, and then also, you know, there are other youth 
ministry books, but what do you feel God let you do that made this unique mm-hmm. and maybe would be uniquely a blessing to a church or a ministry mm-hmm. context? Could you talk about some of that? Yes, yeah. yes. So. Um, like I said, there are a lot of girls' ministry resources out there. There are several new ones that I really like. Um, what makes those similar to each other is that they equip the individual to interact with teenage girls. So they take it on the micro level of girls' ministry, um, how to make a difference in the life. I, I, there's a new one out by um, Amanda Mejias at uh, Lifeway, and it talks about, you know, if you're the dad, how do you minister to your mm-hmm. teenage daughter? If you're the youth minister, how do you do that? And that's fantastic. Um, what I have not found in the marketplace up to this point, which is part of why I felt compelled to get it out there, is there wasn't a resource that would walk leaders, and not even leaders. If you, if you read this, you'll see that even if it's just someone who's like, oh, maybe a mom or another yeah. lady in the church that goes, it would be great if we would do something. Mm-hmm. She could pick this up. And know what to do with it, whether she ended up being the leader of the ministry or handed it off to somebody else. But it would walk whoever picked this book up through the process of dreaming up, you know, um, uh, the girls, formalized girls ministry that would fit their context. And again, I'm wanting to chase a rabbit and just tell the whole book. But but, um, take them through the dreaming process, which is the one that's too often skipped, the building process, um, the leading process and the improvement process all the way through, and then also encourage them to close the loop, which is something that not a lot of ministries, well, I can't say that. I don't know all the ministries, but I think that too often ministries don't close the loop. Once we start a thing, we do it that way forever. This book is going to help you continue to improve and help the ministry grow and do what's best for the girls, because new girls are going to come in as the older girls graduate out. And so you need to be Ongoing, having ongoing and dynamic approach to ministering to the girls in your context. And I feel like this book gives all of that information. It's going to also give you the model of the girls' ministry that I mentioned, Kai Circle. Yes. Um, and you can pull what you want from it. Again, I'm not a cookie-cutter person, but you can draw as much as you want from it um, just to see what's possible, mm-hmm. too. I think it's encouraging. If people want the book, they can go to my website. Yeah. It's uh, Angela Sanders writes. I want to be specific there mm-hmm. that it's W R I T E S dot com. Um, it's available for pre order now, um, but it will be released on January 15th. So if people place orders now, uh, it will be mailed out January great. 15th. Perfect. So, Thank yes. you, Angela. Well, it's a great, great resource, insightful, practical, timely. And so check it out, everyone. Angela, thank you for your ministry in this state and sharing that and just your whole family. We, we pray that this blesses a lot of people, a lot of girls' ministries out there. So Me too. Well, Baptist Messenger audience, thank you for following us in this 2023 podcast season. Thanks to Angela for coming on the podcast today. And go to baptistmessenger.com to find more podcasts. And we'll be following the progress of this book, Angela. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank Blessings. you. Blessings. Thank you. This Messenger Insight has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. To subscribe, find us on Spotify, the iTunes Store, or your preferred podcast platform. Visit us at BaptistMessenger.com today. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.